This is the Bill Kelly Show podcast. We're going to start off the show by talking about municipal issues because it is time for the Mayor's Town Hall. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger is with us. Uh, he's back after a trip that we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes. Good to see you again, Mr. Mayor. Good to be here. Thank Bill. And nice to see you at the uh, Around the Bay race uh, Sunday morning. Hopefully uh, a good time by all, a little chilly, but uh, still a good day. Yeah, fabulous. Great turnout, and, and uh, congratulations again, of course, to all the organizers. And mm-hmm. I, was, I was surprised you made it, actually, because I know that your schedules were pretty tight, and I guess you just got yeah, back in a few I hours was, before uh, that. You I looked a little jet-lagged. I was a bit in a bit of a fog, but, uh, you know, uplifted by the amount of people that were there and the energy and the uh, 10,000 runners, uh, you know, coming off the uh, the starting line. is uh, If you're not energized by that, you're, you can't be energized by anything. So it, uh, it got me through the day, for sure. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about, including the marathon meeting the other day about light rail transit. Mm-hmm. I'm, obviously, I'm sure we're going to get calls. Before we get to LRT, which I'm sure what people are going to want to talk about and a number sure. of other things, uh, maybe explain what you were doing over in France, because uh, this is it's pretty in- interesting stuff that uh, that you guys were over there w- with your ECDEV department. Yeah, with uh, uh, so in two, two locations. One of them was uh, in, in France, uh, and the other was uh, Leipzig, Germany. And, uh, you know, in France, we were actually there selling at a uh, large international conference, about 27,000 attendees of uh, architects, uh, contractors, uh, uh, financiers, uh, developers, putting uh, Pier 7 and 8 on the table for, uh, for their uh, interest and to in- spur on some interest in, uh, in-, in development uh, or developing consortiums that can actually do this signature project for us on Pier 7 and 8. It's uh, you know, our, our unique opportunity to, uh, to have a waterfront development community that's both attractive to, uh, to the city at large as well as to uh, residents that can live there. A, you know, a very robust 25-year plan that we're all excited about. And uh, we wanted to go out there and uh, make sure that the uh, international community, and there's a lot of developers that have experience in this, that are, are aware and uh, and ready and willing and able to uh, participate in an RFQ and an RFP. So that was very exciting to do. And so this is like to- one-stop shopping, then, isn't it? Well, instead, I mean, instead of an all call, just say anybody out there interested. You can actually they're, they're all there already. It, it it focuses the attention quite quite frankly. I mean, you, there's no possible way you can get a hold of all the developers and financiers and, and architects in the world. And uh, this is one way of uh, narrowing that focus and getting them all in one location. So it was very beneficial for us. We also met with lots of other folks that have uh, other interests potentially in Hamilton. And uh, just yesterday, met one of uh, one of the uh, local. Uh, a representative of an international company that has a local presence in Boston who uh, is actually in town looking for uh, for business opportunities and uh, that that started uh, you know from from the MIPM conference and it has translated into a local local interest so uh, you know there's always opportunity and benefits in Leipzig uh, which is a, a city very similar to the city of Hamilton they've had a, a, a 520,000 uh, population which is about the same as the city of Hamilton they've had a difficult uh, uh, economic environment uh, post uh, Soviet Union collapse uh, you know they're kind of industrial capacity virtually evaporated, and they've headed into uh, the many of the same things that we're doing here in the city of Hamilton in terms of research, uh, advanced manufacturing, uh, you know, all the things that we're doing, including, uh, interestingly enough, a very aggressive uh, public transportation as we, as we get to it earlier. So in both of those cities, it was interesting to see how aggressive they are in terms of uh, advancing their LRTs and making their city more sustainable and more uh, interactive. But having Wait, said that... Ad- advancing LRT. Wait a second. Okay, there's an idea. Yes. All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, the... Uh, uh, the the purpose uh, the main purpose for being there was to uh, to meet up with the Fraunhofer Institute and as you know the city of Hamilton invested with, in partnership with uh, McMaster University on 
a biomedical uh, and advanced manufacturing research facility at uh, McMaster Innovation Park, right across the road here. Right across the road, and we uh, we uh, you know obviously we were there to see their uh, biomedical uh, research facility, which was fantastic, and a similar facility will happen here, and uh, so fostering that relationship very important. And we were meeting with some uh, some business interests that uh, specifically want to land here in Hamilton. Uh, that's uh, an international company, in fact, that uh, has interest in uh, in bringing their opportunity here to Hamilton to uh, to grow their business, uh, have a North American presence. That would be the first. I can't identify who they are, but uh, very direct and specific interest in an opportunity for us to uh, expand our economic base. Well, this is interesting because I, I can remember having conversations with people in the economic development department. So you were just a counselor at the time. Mm-hmm. Not just, but you were a counselor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were telling me back in those days that, you know what, a lot of time people don't return our phone calls. There just doesn't seem to be any interest. But from what you're telling me, even from these two conferences that you attended, uh, Hamilton seems to be on the international radar now. Well, you have to put it on the international radar, for starters. I mean, if you're not participating in some of these trade missions, uh, you, uh, you know, you're not going to get the recognition and, and the, uh, the understanding that there's an opportunity happening here. I mean, uh, you know... Invariably, uh, for for those that are on the international scene, uh, you know Toronto is the name they know. Hamilton doesn't really jump off the page for them. So, uh, uh, but but once you explain the opportunity and the nearness to a Toronto market and to Buffalo and to Detroit and the borders and the massive fifty million uh, population that we're at the center and the heart of, and the the land and uh, and and uh, development opportunities that are in, here in Hamilton, they're very keen and very interested. So. I think we need to continue to uh, sell ourselves in the international world that uh, can bring opportunities to Hamilton. And part of that selling pitch is to, to have a vibrant community, have a good cultural base, uh, have a good educational institutions, and have good partnerships with all of these institutions, and that's all happening. And so uh, we have a good story to tell. We just need to go out there and tell the story. i got to tell you, from my experience, though, on, on, as chair of economic development for a period of time, mm-hmm. uh, when you you talk to people from other countries and and especially over in Europe, but any other place, they don't look at that border at Fort Erie and Buffalo. They just look at that trade from from basically from Oshawa all the way down to Buffalo, and then they look at that huge northeastern market there, and they simply say that's that's the gold mine, that's the motherload right there. I mean, we're not called the gold. And most of those places are built out now. In other words, if you want to invest and you're looking for land and opportunities here, you're kind of looking at Hamilton. Yeah, and and uh, you know, given today, based on what's happening with the the U.S. steel properties and the, uh, the amount of uh, you know commercial industrial land that could be shovel ready and available, uh, you know, very shortly, uh, it is a real uh, you know pr- pr- clear and present opportunity for us to to get out there, tell people our story, tell them what the opportunities are, tell them the nearness to the markets that uh, that we are in the center of, in fact, and and our very robust uh, transportation opportunities. I mean, there's very few communities that can say we have a uh, a, a lake port, uh, an airport, uh, good shipping and truck uh, trucking uh, access, uh, rail coming right through it, and uh, and a robust and uh, and very aggressive airport on the uh, the cargo side. So, those are assets that most communities would scream for, and uh, we. Have have them all, and uh, if, if we can go out there and tell that story, I think people are going to be very attracted to it. We'll go to calls in just a couple seconds here. 905-645-3221, star 9900. Email bkelly at 900chml.com, and on Twitter at chml. Bill Kelly, Jamie on Twitter says, stop this LRT arena refurbishing and other waste of money issues. Focus on benefits for seniors with no benefits and rent control. That's uh, from Jamie. Your comment on that? 
I know, well, I know we're going to get into both those other yeah. that Jamie's talking about, both LRT and the arena, in just a couple of seconds. Multiple but issues. It's priorities. Multiple issues there. And, you know, I have to tell you that uh, next week uh, we're going to be dealing with a, the, the poverty initiative that I put forward a little while ago. We're going to have a poverty conference here in the city of Hamilton. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm working on both ends of the scale here. I, I understand the challenges on the... Uh, on some of the neighborhoods, on, on the economic side, uh, for f- folks that are living in poverty, we have to deal with that, and uh, that initiative is hopefully a step in the right direction. And at the same time, we also have to grow our economy and our jobs and opportunity base. And uh, LRT and uh, you know advancing uh, you know the uh, the waterfront lands, uh, Pier Seven and Eight, is all about uh, generating additional revenue to help us have enough dollars to be able to uh, service all of the uh, the things that we've built today. So. One of the arguments that we've had, Jamie, for the longest time is we don't have a spending problem, we have a revenue problem. And, you know, all that lost commercial industrial capacity over the last 40 years, we somehow have to make up. And uh, we can do that by uh, some intensification in terms of redevelopment on the commercial and residential side and bringing in new industries that can provide jobs and new tax revenues for us. That's our challenge. And uh, the other side of the challenge is the poverty issues. And uh, we also have to uh, put time, effort, and resources into that so that people can have an opportunity to break that cycle of poverty and uh, and get the proper education they need to uh, to become part of our prosperity. Thanks so much. Uh, more, more tweets and uh, emails in just a couple of seconds. 905-645-3221, start 9900. Uh, to your phone calls now, and uh, Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger is here to take your calls and uh, to respond to your questions. John, thanks for holding on. Welcome to the program today, John. Thank you very much, uh I was at the delegation meeting, and my theory was transparency, liberals, natural links, and city council. Thanks for the mayor to replying to me. I think that's the problem with the LRT. There's all those winkle and tweets in there every time. And the biggest thing, my headache, is Queenston Road. Now, he's gone around the country, Europe and everything, which is good, and they're going to say, come to Queenston Road, get on the thing. Don't tell me it's temporary. It is temporary. Go the distance. This is number one plan for Hamilton, not win. Go the distance, East Gate Square, then out the gate, gateway. Now we got a system that people will be proud of, not just Queenston Circle. It can be de- developed into resident and uh, commerce like it's supposed to be designed for. Thank you, John. I mean, I, uh, uh, John, I'll let you go, and I'll let the mayor respond to this. I got to ask you that. I, I know you want to respond to some of the other particulars, but I, I got a, I, an email from somebody the other day that raises the same point he did. Is when they made the initial announcement, they said uh, the well, when you start talking with Metrolinx before the funding was announced, it was going to be Queenston, uh, or it was going to be rather McMaster all the way over to Eastgate Square. Mm-hmm. But when the government made their announcement, they said, no, 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 we want to do this spur line, so it's not going to go all the way to Eastgate, it's going to go here. Well, that's off the table now, so why isn't the original route back on the table? Well, I'll I mean, throw that uh, in with all yeah, the other stuff. Yeah, well, well I mean, I think, uh, you know, and again, I can't uh, get into the head of the province of Ontario, but I, I think they were thinking, and, and certainly council said uh, at a given point in time that uh, they were prepared to uh, ask the province to also advance the A-line. Uh, they did say LRT at the same time as the, uh, BR, uh, as the, uh, the B-line. <coughs> so I, I'm pretty sure that the province inferred from that that there was an interest in having more uh, access going up and down or more north-south uh, capability in terms of transit. <coughs> so, <coughs> so they, uh, 
I think they thought that that's uh, something that the city of Hamilton was interested in and, uh, and then came forward with, uh, with the kind of the A-line approach. Thank you, sir. And, uh, you know, I, I'd have to agree with John that, I, you know, the, the weak link, I think, in the, in the way that uh, this is now unfolding is the Eastgate issue. I, uh, I, I, in a perfect world, I'd like it to go there and then some, quite frankly. I, I'd like it to go all the way from Dundas to, uh, to uh, Stony Creek. Uh, but having said that, I mean, you, you begin somewhere and, um, uh, you know, having a, a, you know, a fairly robust transit hub at Queenston Road isn't the end of the world. It is, it, it is a destination, maybe not as robust a destination as Eastgate. And certainly all of the, uh, the schematics and, uh, and visions and plans that we have includes going all the way to Eastgate uh, ultimately. If today... They were to come forward with, uh, you know, putting Eastgate on the table. I think that would be a b- very positive step on the on behalf of the province. And I can't imagine that uh, it, it's not it's, that it's going to be such a dramatic cost difference that uh, that it you know it's going to break the bank. I think it would. Uh, I, I think it would be a positive step. So I don't disagree with you, John. Uh, I'm not in control of what the province does, but I'll certainly make that uh, overture to them and and have, and uh, we'll see what happens in the next uh, coming months. Uh, there's going to be a, a new guy at Metrolinx. Uh, yeah. Does that change the dynamic at all? Mr. McQuaig is moving on. No, I don't think so. I mean, I think uh, Metrolinx is now pretty well established as uh, kind of the inter interregional uh, transportation agency, and uh, I think Bruce McQuaig uh, has been a a solid proponent for the province in terms of integrating uh, transit between our communities and advancing go. And as you know, part of the announcement, the $1.2 billion announcement was for a, a $200 million uh, investment in the uh, track and go station on Centennial Parkway. Uh, that's actually going to start construction uh, much, much sooner than uh, than LR- LRT. And that's, a, I think, a positive step. And, and you know, to follow on John's comment, I mean, uh, you know, if I were the province and I'm looking at putting a GO station at uh, Queen, at uh, Centennial Parkway, I'd, I'd want to have a more robust connection from Eastgate uh, down Centennial Parkway to that GO station. So going to Queenston Road uh, makes all kinds of sense. Uh, certainly, uh, we complement the province for advancing GO, and I think Bruce has been a great proponent of that. And I have no doubt that they'll continue with that kind of leadership across the province. Uh, this is a large report that you, uh, as council, dealt with the other day, and it got, got kicked down the, the road again for another couple of weeks mm-hmm. to give them more time to digest it once again. Uh, but th- th- is it fair to say, for those of us that have read a good deal of what has what, what been published so far, of course, mm-hmm. over the last number of years, that the majority of the cost of, of what the province is proposing and what Metrolinx is proposing is underground. In other words, it's infrastructure improvements. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that came which, out. Which, under- well, by the way, the city is going to have to do it sometime or another. So in other words, the province is coming in and say, we'll do that, we'll pay for it. If you were to say no to this, then that pretty much falls onto the the shoulders of Hamilton taxpayers, doesn't it? Yeah, the estimate is, and you know, this is not at a one year adventure, but the estimate is that over time we're going to have to spend some eighty million dollars on infrastructure improvements underneath uh, King Street and Main Street uh, at some point in time, and uh, you know they're going to do that as part of this project. So for for what it's worth, uh, you know, over the next ten or fifteen years, we're going to avoid an eighty million dollar expenditure if we uh, if we develop an LRT here. Uh, that's not a rationale for doing this, but it's certainly a benefit that comes out of, uh, you know, bringing an LRT over and above just the transportation benefit. Uh, there's also, you know, additional benefits that <clears throat> that come out of LRT, and that is the uh, the job production, uh, the the amount of work and labor that comes out of this, which is, which is why Leuna and the trades are so keen on uh, 
on this opportunity to uh, to provide uh, employment for their workers. I mean, there's all kinds of benefits. And I, you know, before uh, be, when we come back, I'd, I'd like to touch on uh, you know why the province of Ontario actually provided 100% funding for us, because I think that's a an interesting story that shouldn't be forgotten. Absolutely. Let's do a short break. We'll come back. More of your phone calls and uh, more comments. The Mayor's Town Hall, Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger is with us on the Bill Kelly Show, 900 CHML. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. It's uh, the Mayor's Town Hall. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger is here for the uh, next little while to answer your questions. Let's uh, get Frank on here, who's been waiting patiently for the last few minutes. Good morning, Frank. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. <clears throat> Just fine, thank you. I, Mr. Mayor, I'd like to um, get some answers from you as to what the impetus is be- be- behind doing all the, the uh, arterial changes of the traffic flow downtown, more specifically, her her there where you've got the, the cars parked, mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess it's uh, apart from the um, bicycle lane there, mm-hmm. and then there's parking on the other side of the street, and it's, it's kind of tight getting along there, and now we're talking about Queen Street, and then before this we had the bus situation which had to change. Um, now, my vision, if I may, shows that with the we have, we have a lot of high rise uh, in in uh, high rise accommodations developing downtown, which is a super mm-hmm. super thing to to uh, to witness. But people are going to be coming more and more into that area, and I, I can't understand why you wouldn't have uh, like Herkimer, for example, made the parking on one side of the street for a farther length along there rather than do a portion. I believe it is from about Hess Street down to the hospital with that in, in, um, inside the, well, the center lane of mm-hmm. cars. Now, mm-hmm. and, and I got like I say, a twofold question in that um, we need more parking downtown, as you well know, and with the LRT going to be putting shovels in the ground and, and uh, rerouting people, uh, would there not be some um, thought to when there's land now available that we could expand some of the parking uh uh, availability in in that downtown core. Yeah. So so uh, thank you, Frank. Uh, yep. Good point. Uh, the, uh, the I mean there there have been a number of proposals for a parking garage, and I think one one of the one of the arguments is that we would like to turn the surface parking lots into developments. I mean we have a a multitude of surface parking lots. They're uh, they're all over the downtown. Uh, they uh, they continue to be uh, development or redevelopment opportunities, and in light of that, we, we're going to have to provide, in partnership with the private sector, a parking parking facility, multi-story parking facility to accommodate the parking requirements down there. It's the same issue that we're going to face uh, on the waterfront, in fact, and uh, both of them are being contemplated uh, in terms of uh, you know future design and future needs. So. On the waterfront, the, uh, there is a, a portion of the waterfront development that has a parkade facility built into it um, mm-hmm. because we know that there's going to be additional demand for parking for not only the people that are living there, but for the people that are visiting and, uh, and for the boating community, in What fact. do you think of this, Mayor? What do you think of this? Mm-hmm. I, I made this suggestion a number of years ago, and I got shut down by people responding to my letter in the, to the editor mm-hmm. in that in the gore, now the... the, the, the Center Gore area, right in the center of of, of King Street, there across from the former Connaught. If if a high rise parking uh, tier would put in there now, uh, then the, the opposition would. Oh, we don't want cars running another. But if you looked at if you look at had some vision to the point where you had the lower level would be commercial yep. or even yep. you know um, available user user uh, um, establishments, and then above that. 
Now, it, sure, it might take away from the look of the court. I don't mean going right to James Street, but something like that where you could drive right up in there and you'd come down and you'd be on either side. You'd be able to uh, to uh, exit onto either side of the main area of, of, the, uh, of the city. And I think that would be, you know, if you got the right architectural piece of work done on that, I think that would be of great advantage. Mm-hmm. Getting back to the lanes on. Well, let me let me let me address that one for a second. Well, so I, gonna, I think I think you've touched on the, let you go, on okay, the very right? model, the very model that uh, that a parking facility should have. If it's a multi-tiered, it should have commercial on the bottom, number of opportunities in terms of commercial uh, retail, uh, you know, space, and then the parking up above. I think that's the, exactly the right model in terms of location. You know, I'm, I'm not sure what the best location is. We've looked at. Uh, areas al- around Caroline and uh, and Maine and King, and well, that's, that's uh, been on the books for years. That's been on the books, and that's certainly something that's uh, that's going to evolve. Uh, you know, you know, probably in the next couple of years in terms of that, and and another one on the waterfront. So I think your your model for how parking can be accommodated with commercial activity, I think, is spot on. Uh, I'll let you also address. Uh, he was talking once again about the uh, the bike lanes on on Herkimer and uh, it's, and Charlton, of course. And still some concerns about that. Yeah, I, I know there's concerns, and I you know what I, I think it's an experiment worth doing. And I you know I I know that the local community is interested in in bike lanes and parking. And so how do you accommodate both? I, I think this uh, I think it's starting to work better now. Uh, once people get used to it a little bit more, uh, no longer are people uh, standing behind that row of parked cars and think that these cars are going to move, which is what started off in the first place, which, you know, I, I can understand because when you, when you see a lineup of cars, you're, you automatically assume they're going somewhere. And so we put some signs up to correct that. And it has made for a safer bike lane. And I, that model I particularly like. You know, it's a very easy way to create a protected bike lane between the sidewalk and 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 the parked cars, and then that makes it a actually a family safe uh, biking lane. And I think that's something that's part of our mobility challenges going forward is to provide not only walkable city, but uh, one that can uh, can be accessed by uh, bicycle as well as uh, car and transit. So. I think it's a worthy experiment. I know that uh, they've changed the garbage collection. Garbage collection seemed to be the biggest problem uh, that uh, that was occurring throughout the week that uh, that backed up some traffic. And they've uh, they've actually changed the hours of uh, when they do do that collection, so it's not at peak hours, and that's made all the difference in the world. So I think I think it's evolving, and I think it's uh, it's going to be fine over time, but we'll adjust as necessary. I I, I think it's a non-starter. I, I got stuck once. On, on Herkimer behind a garbage truck. And yeah, it held me up for like all of a minute and a half. Big deal. I mean, you know, and I figured this is, it's only one day a week they collect garbage. It's not like they're there every morning. Correct. So, so uh, you know what? And but but people have these issues, and I think we uh, we are taking steps to address them. And uh, you know whether it's uh, you know one minute or ten minutes, whatever it is, uh, the same issue on uh, you know the parking issue we dealt with last night on Aberdeen. Uh, you know if there's a if there's a minute difference and it it makes more and more people oriented space for the local community. I think that's a, that's a balancing act that we always always have to uh, to try and. Uh, achieve, the, so, and, but that one's a little more difficult. That's that's not Charlton and Aberdeen uh, or, or, or Herkimer, Herkimer because you can make an argument. And I know some of the mountain councillors have that, that that street is actually almost a an arterial street during busy t- morning and afternoon rush hours because the number of people that are going up and down the Queen Street Hill and they're using that to access the highway. Right. Plus, it's also an emergency detour route, which means if there are problems on the highways, and you know there are here like every month or two, there's something going on that. 
traffic is all going to spill onto that street. True. But you know what? We've had, uh, so when it's an emergency route, obviously all bets are off. So parking, parking, you know, if it's an emergency route, parking, uh, you know, there's an override. Uh, the staff have looked at this, and I, I have great faith in our traffic staff. They look at all of these issues, uh, and they do the traffic studies. Uh, and they've made a determination that uh, having parking in that location isn't going to be detrimental to the flow of traffic in that location. If it becomes a problem, uh, we will adjust. So we put a timeline on there of, uh, I think, eight months to report back and see how it's working. And if it isn't working at that point in time, I know the local councillor has said quite clearly that if it isn't working, he's prepared to, uh, to back up and, uh, and make an adjustment. I, I think it's worth the, the uh, experimenting on, uh, you know, what makes for a more people-oriented place and at the same time being able to accommodate traffic. That's always I, I understand that. That's the balance. I understand that totally. Right. Uh, and I like the idea that you've compromised and say, let's do this as a pilot project and see how it's going. Right. But in eight months, you're not going to start construction on the LRT route. And the staff report about that 1,400-page uh, that whatever it was report suggested there is going to be a huge overflow of traffic that's going to move onto that street once that construction starts and once the LRT line is finished. So, and, and given that, so that, uh, that'll have an impact. And, that, and you know, one, once we get to that point and that, uh, that issue starts to have a bearing, then we can make, uh, make adjustments. I, I don't really see a big problem there. I mean, there, we're going to have to make a lot of adjustments in traffic and traffic flow uh, as a result of the impact of an LRT. So uh, that's, a, that's, that's an evolving issue, and we'll continue to monitor. And you know what? Knowing that, uh, that we have good traffic engineers on board that, uh, that do all the assessments and studies, uh, I know that they're going to make recommendations that uh, are going to balance these things out uh, appropriately. Uh, you know, there's no sense that uh, a lot of these things are just happening willy-nilly. I mean, they are studied. They're not, uh, you know, what, what used to happen, I think, uh, when you and I were around was uh, someone had a good idea and said, let's just ram this thing through and, uh, and get it approved. Uh, you know, really doesn't happen anymore. And, uh, you know, pr- appropriate studies are done. Traffic engineers are uh, are uh, looking at these issues and making recommendations. Uh, uh, to my understanding, this is following a staff recommendation. Uh, a couple of emails here before we get back to your phone calls. Phil uh, uh, at bkelly at 900chml.com. Can you ask the mayor why the city is not going to fund the renovations for First Ontario Centre and turn it into a world-class arena? This is referencing the uh, report that, would, uh, that became public yesterday. Yeah, I mean, uh, certainly right at this point in time, we, we don't have the money to do that. But I think it's important for us to uh, to continue to advance the issue and look at how we can make those improvements. You know, I was at First Ontario Centre the other day, and it frustrates the ears off me that the the escalator uh, isn't working. I think it's that's... It's only been uh, three years. It's, uh, it's terrible. And uh, we, at, at the very least, uh, need to, to get it back operational. I mean, I, in my mind, it's it's almost a safety issue. Uh, so that, that that's the bare minimum we should be doing. But uh, having a look at uh, you know an aging facilities and how we might repurpose them is uh, something that we need to do. And uh, you know pushing that uh, or pushing that down the road and ignoring the issue isn't going to help us. Uh, is it going to be public sector money? I think it's always going to be a public-private partnership of some sort that gets us to next steps. And uh, I think we ought to be looking at how what that's what those next steps look like. So you're you're in favor then? I know that Mr. Kajavski has suggested that he'd like to stay on and continue this process to see 
uh, who's out there that might be interested in this. So you, you're, you're favoring doing that sort of a thing? Well, I'm, I'm favoring... Uh, you I know, know, I'm, I'm not ready to sign a contract right now, but no. I'd say that you want to c- continue this. Notwithstanding the fact that the money that, that's mentioned in this report is significant. We're talking a couple of hundred million dollars. Sure. And, uh, you know, when, when we're talking those kind of numbers, uh, there's always, uh, you know, an opportunity to look at federal and provincial uh, opportunities for funding uh, and private sector. So, you know, I think there's myriads of ways that these things can be done. But uh, you know what? Letting the arena deteriorate uh, and uh, and not continuing to invest in it is uh, is, is is tantamount to uh, to demolition by neglect. Quite frankly, uh, we can't have that happen in our public facilities. So we have to turn our minds to that. Uh, how we how we move forward on this? I think uh, I think Mr. Gajewski's done a terrific job of bringing in the private sector without any strings attached to say, here's some evidence on on what the needs are in these facilities. Here's what kind of things one could do. Uh, and, uh, you know, do we go to next steps in that process? I think we should go to next steps. What those next steps are is a combination of working with the private sector and working with our, our staff to uh, see what uh, what we can engineer in terms of what needs to happen. Alan on email says, when you have a revenue problem, Mr. Mayor, you have a spending problem. When businesses have revenue problems, they must reduce their spending. Same should be said for government. We cannot afford the LRT project. That's from Alan. I'll let you comment on that. Uh, appreciate that, Alan. And uh, you know what? Uh, it, you know we can't stop investing in our communities. Uh, you know one of the issues uh, in terms of infrastructure uh, across the board is uh, across the country. Quite frankly, is uh, the focus that the federal and provincial governments have put on public transportation. And I know in their minds, they're uh, they're making uh, those investments in lieu of uh, you know continuing to expand our roads. And I think their view is, and I agree with this vision, is that uh, there's a better bang for our buck today to invest in public transportation over over highways. Uh, we have a plethora of highways, and certainly the government uh, is uh, committed to maintaining them. But I think uh, their their vision is that we need to nationally and provincially expand our public transportation system because congestion is going to be with us. And the only way to thwart congestion uh, into the future is to have a more robust, more connected, and more integrated public transportation system. So you can either invest in roads or you can invest in public transportation. I think the better money goes to public transportation. Notwithstanding the fact that uh, that public transit ridership is down right across the country in just about every city. Yeah, it is. And I think that's a function of uh, where we are in terms of economics. Uh, you know, it's like uh, it's like what happens to car sales when, uh, you know, gas prices are down. Uh, you know, we know that uh, people buy bigger vehicles. And when gas prices go up, people buy smaller vehicles or they, they, they drift towards public transportation. They make different kinds of choices. I, I don't think our, our cities are becoming less congested. I think that's a fact. Uh, we know that in Hamilton, the expectation is we're going to have 100,000 more people by 2030. Uh, you know, our, 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 our population is going to grow, and with that comes uh, more traffic. And uh, once we have more traffic, then uh, we have to find ways of moving those people around here more sustainably. And you know, automobiles are uh, wonderful. I own one. You own one. We all are have grown up with uh, cars. But uh, the next generation, and you know, I was uh, intrigued by little young Matthew Caraba, Car- who uh, who made a presentation at uh, City Council, uh, a very eloquent, uh, poignant, very brief, 
but to the point presentation is we're building a city for the future here. Not, we're not talking necessarily about today. We're talking about tomorrow and the kind of city that Matthew and uh, all the kids and all the millennials that are coming to Hamilton want to see. Uh, we know the economics is changing. Uh, you know, our kids aren't necessarily going to have the same benefits that you and I have had by virtue of the way the economy is today. Affordability for cars is uh, becoming uh, less available to the next generation. Public transportation is going to be much more important for them, uh, both economically and it's much better for our environment. A worthy investment indeed. Uh, back to your phone calls. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger here on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Bill, uh, thanks for holding on, Bill. Go ahead for the mayor. Uh, yes, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Bill. Uh, I, I have a, a question in reference to uh, bicycles. Mm-hmm. On, on Pretty well on every corner, you see a city bicycle rack thing, those blue things. That yeah, the so- Sobe okay. bikes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or okay. Yeah. My son-in-law and daughter-in-law, they were, everybody was here. They wanted to go for a bike ride. They'd take them out their cars, and off they go. Mm-hmm. They come back, and they go, Dad, where the hell are we supposed to lock our bikes up? There's no place for citizens to lock their bikes Literally, what's the city hall got? I I had to go down there yesterday, but uh, there's only, what, uh, four or five places to put citizens' bikes. Mm -hmm. There's uh, about three or four places in front of your Jackson Mall here. Like, why isn't the city putting private bike parking places? Uh, I think we do. I mean, I think the volume is, uh, you know, probably measured by the amount of uh, amount of demand that's out there. I think uh, virtually every every parking lot uh, uh, and and there's uh, lockup facilities actually at the GO station at the uh, downtown uh, Parkade across from York Street. There's a, a lockup there that you can park your bike. Uh, there are a number of bike parking facilities, and they're actually, in fact, on the street. In uh, some locations, those uh, kind of bullards with a, a round, uh, a round uh, metal bar on them that uh, people can also attach their bikes to uh, right on the street. So uh, there are a number of locations. Uh, you know, I'm, Bill, I, I'll, I'll take note of the fact that uh, you believe there aren't enough, but uh, I, I do know that there are some at City Hall, uh, in front of and beside and behind, um, and at the lower level and upper level. So I don't often see a whole lot of bikes in there, to be honest. But I think ah, it uh, see, certainly meets the demand. You don't very often see a whole bunch of bikes in there. Why not? Aren't people using them? Maybe if there were places to, to, to for well, citizens to put them, they'd, they'd ride them. So one, one, if, one uh, thing is... Gonna take a, yeah. He's not going to take an $800 bike, which his son-in-law's worth. Do you believe that? $800 bucks for a lousy bike. But anyway, he's not going to take an $800 uh, dollar bike and chain it to nothingness. No, no, and I, I agree with you, Bill. I think what's happening, Bill, is that many people are choosing not to leave their bicycles in a public space. And you know what? These are A lot of people have expensive bikes. Uh, we have a lockup on uh, on York Boulevard that uh, a lot of people actually use because it's a secure location. We actually have right behind City Hall a roll-in uh, roll-in uh, paid parking facility that you can roll your bike into, and it closes it, and and you can lock it up. I think people are concerned about the value of their uh, their bicycles, and leaving them in public locations is probably not uh, you know a very attractive thing for them to do right now. Uh, so uh, the Sobe bike issue is different. Now people tend not to touch these bikes. They don't tend to steal them because they're blue and they're unique. And uh, you know if, if they're found in somebody's garage, uh, you know we pretty much know where they're coming from. So they're very distinctive, and people leave them alone. I think uh, all the other bikes out there, the mountain bikes, the racing bikes, the one thousand dollar bikes, or the fifteen hundred or two thousand dollar bikes. Personally, I'm not comfortable leaving it out on the street.
Thanks so much for the call, Bill. Uh, we're right out of time. Uh, interesting and, and, uh, how, how things have turned around over the last couple of years. Now you're getting complaints that you don't have enough space for cyclists. Got, two years ago, it was, oh, nobody even rides bikes around here. So Music uh, to my ears. I mean, the more of that we can hear, I think the better it is. Uh, get out there and cycle. It's, uh, it's good for you. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger. Mr. Mayor, thanks again. Thanks. Appreciate the time. Thanks, You're listening to The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML. Right now, uh, one Hamilton City Councilor in particular and supporter of the LRT project is now suggesting that he feels the project will probably not go ahead. Yeah, that's rather shocking. Says he's convinced that a gang of 10 will be responsible for the loss of the investment provincially uh, for the LRT project and the resulting infrastructure work that needs to be done. He is, of course, Sam Rulo, the Councilor for Ward 4, and he joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Good morning, Sam. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Bill, and yourself? Great, great. Listen, you've been a strident supporter of, of LRT from the beginning. You have uh, talked about the economic benefits. I know you talked about it again during that marathon meeting the other day. Uh, are you getting as frustrated as some other LRT supporters are about the way things have been handled by City Council? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we have an alternative reality that's happening as well. Most people don't recognize that 80% of the budget or the monies we're receiving from the province is related to hard infrastructure. That means water lines, sewer lines, hydro, cable, gas lines, sidewalks, uh, roads, bridges. And in, in saying that, my frustration is a lot of people out there are spinning that we're simply throwing a, a, a train on, on the existing infrastructure and paying a billion dollars, which is nonsense. As you know, I've been very vocal against the province and the downloading. This is an opportunity to reverse a downloading trend and gain the money that we need and we need infrastructure, Bill. The, the, the actual LRT itself is added value. It's not the primary focus. The economic development, the infrastructure, and that's the messaging that we need to focus in on to really create the actual awareness rather than the alternative facts that exist presently in this community surrounding LRT. Why isn't that story getting out then, Sam? I know you've talked about it in the past, and, and I've heard it once or twice from some of the other people on council, but that's, that's a I would think, a big selling point on this. Uh, somebody seems to be dropping the ball and trying to get that message out. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's someone dropping the ball in communicating it or in reporting it. So I, I think that we're saying it, but the headlines don't reflect the reality. The, the stories themselves focus in on, for instance, stops and the public transit component, but really nobody's elaborating on all the water lines, the sewers, the hydro, the union gas lines, the sidewalks, roads, bridges, which represents 80%, 80 of the actual expenditure. To me, that suggests that there's a great deal of irresponsibility more so on the reporting of the issue than that of the communication. Well, with that number in mind, with 80% of that cost of the $1.2 billion that's going to be going into hard infrastructure under the ground right now, uh, let, let's let's talk about what happens if this project gets scuttled, whether the province pulls the plug or whether a future council turns this down. I don't know what could happen. I'm not even going to talk about moving forward because I know the, the, the gang of 10 that are going to be responsible to lose that billion dollars are not budging. Uh, I know that for a fact, uh, and that's what frustrates me the most. Is because we sit through thirteen-hour meetings, and it's great for the for the media because it gives them something to write about. But it's not great for this community. It creates division for no reason. 
and I, that's why I brought forward the reconsideration motion was to expose this very fact. And the fact that nobody wanted me to bring forth that motion clearly illustrates they were prepared to kill it. Uh, so the bottom line is we need to talk about moving quicker on dealing with the reality of the issue rather than the alternative facts. Talk to me about the Gang of Ten. Well, there's a ten that are responsible and not willing to support this for whatever reason. Some of which, though, some of whom, rather, Sam, have not identified themselves as being opposed to it. Uh, the, the excuse, the rationale we hear from so many of them on City Council right now is, well, we need more time to study it. I, I mean, Councillor Collins uh, has, has been up front about this and says, I have some concerns, I'm opposed to it. Uh, we've heard the same thing from Councillor Skelly. Uh, Councillor Whitehead says, uh, at one point, said he supported it, but he had concerns. I, I, listening to the way he's talking, I don't sense a whole lot of support there. But the rest of them, the rest of them, though, Sam, I, I'm not hearing anything. I'm not hearing yay or nay on this, and that that's uh, that's awfully frustrating for everybody, with no matter what side of the issue you're on. Yeah, I think some of these folks are the same ones that spent more on stadium of general levy money than they are willing to uh, spend on hard infrastructure like roads, sewers sidewalks, water lines, hydro, gas lines. So here they build the stadium for 10 events a year at $150 million. They don't have a big eye to it. They didn't ask for a referendum, though I did. But suddenly, when it really matters, on stuff that we really need, wow, it's like, uh, this is not a good idea. I have no idea. They do live in alternative reality because it's just mind-boggling that they won't support hard infrastructure in the city where we have a $3 billion infrastructure deficit and they here they let go of four or five hundred million dollars of infrastructure money there are conversations that go on sam at the council level in public and we see those and and they're reported upon we get that but we you and i both know there are also conversations that go on in the back hallways there but this that off the record conversations are they telling you something differently than what they're saying publicly about their support or lack of support for this project Listen, I just know for a fact that the gang of 10 responsible for losing that billion dollar of hard infrastructure money uh, are solid in their position. And even if the all 10 of them weren't, I really don't believe three of them are going to come over uh, to the other side. So it's done. So people, folks, all they're trying to do is get this thing to die without them being held responsible. So they're playing you and the entire community. And that's fine for political purposes, but don't waste my time or the community's time in doing this. Some of those people, though, Sam, have voted continuously on different motions in support of LRT. Yeah, were, they oh, be, no were they being disingenuous? I don't know what they're being. At the end of the day, on a personal level, I love them dearly. Collectively, right now, I want to kick them in the butt. So where do you go from here? I'm trying to start communicating publicly of the farce that we're living through right now this entire uh, fabrication of a, of a crisis, when it doesn't exist because they're not willing to move forward. I just think, end it. Put us out of our minutes. Don't put us right to the last minute and to only do it then. Here's the thing. <laughs> and you've been on council for a long time, and, and you've seen the vacillation on some people's parts, and, and it can be frustrating if you have strong feelings about an issue. Clearly, this is an issue that a lot of people are passionate about right now. I would have a lot more respect for a counselor who stood up and said, I'm opposed to this. 
I don't think it's a good idea. Not with, I may not agree with them, Sam, but I'll have respect for them to take a position on this. I'm the same way. As I did for those three people that we just talked about a second ago. Exactly. I'm, I'm getting more and more frustrated with the other ones who clearly don't seem to have any support for this project, but don't want to stand up and, and actually state where they are on it. Yeah. And they're costing us a lot of money over and above what we've already spent. Because, I mean, your staff seem there making a great deal of money uh, wasting your time in the pocket, you guys are not putting the support. Well, how many, you know, I'm sure you guys have got the number, the ballpark number, on how much money the city, forget about Metrolinx, although that's a significant amount too, how much money the city has spent on this project. And for every time that these counselors say, well, I want to wait another three weeks or four weeks for this yeah, thing, the, the, yeah, the meter's ticking, Sam. Not only, not only that, but they're willing to take the risk of losing $70 million that we've already committed to. Uh, that we could literally, because we haven't in good faith been working with Metrolink, uh, and we would have to pay out $70 million for absolutely nothing in return or stay the course and get the uh, $500 million of hard infrastructure money for sewers, for the water lines, the hydro, the gas lines, bridges, roads, and sidewalks. Have any of these people that are vacillating on this, uh, at least They're publicly? They're, Bill, listen to me. They are stuck in no, and they're they're giving the optics of vacillation, and that's why people might be reporting it. But I think they need to dig further into this. These guys are done. They're not supporting this, and they're definitely not. Three of them are definitely not coming over. So it's over. At what point? Uh, I, what are they trying to do here? Are they trying to wait till the next municipal election? I don't, think, I don't think they know. They're driving down the street looking at their rear view get on crash. Have any of them uh, given you any ideas, any alternative ideas as to how they're going to raise the money for the infrastructure work that needs to be done if this money goes away? Well, they claim that because it's not in the 10-year capital, it's not necessary, which is really possible considering we have a $3 billion deficit and we're on 100-year cycles. Nothing's in the capital budget because we can't afford to do anything. So you've got quite. Let's let's for the second time. Let's set aside this rail thing on top and and, and the trains. Let's put that aside for a second. Eighty yeah, percent of the money that you're talking about here is going to be fixing the infrastructure underneath there. And if we don't do it, if if, Met, if Metrolinks in the province don't pay for it, then it falls on Hamilton taxpayers. Yeah, absolutely. But not only that, over and above that, for instance, Kojiko, the cable, they're they're waiting with bated breath to get down there. Because once they do, they'll be able to renew their entire network based on the significance and the size of this project. So hydro as well. You've got Union Gas. They're all waiting. And, and, they're, and, and they're actually calling, saying, so is this thing really done? Because they're preparing to renew the entire corridor, which extends right to the mountain and even as far as Burlington. It's just it's not out. People don't know this because it's not being reported, and everyone's reporting on how getting from point A to point B is not any quicker. Who cares? Well, I've never looked at it as, as rapid transit. I looked at it as light rail transit, and it, uh, whether it takes an extra two or three minutes is inconsequential to me. I'm talking about the economic development and the work that's going to be done underneath. Your stories based on that. It's not about public transit, folks. It never has been. It's about the infrastructure and economic development. Wake up. You sound pretty frustrated here, Sam. Yeah, yeah you think? Yeah. <laughs>
All right, but look at there are other people on council that that are, have supported this. The mayor who was just in here a couple of minutes ago, uh, Councillor Johnson, Councillor Farr, Councillor Green is supportive of this. It has been right from the beginning. Councillor Ferguson in Ancaster. Yeah, uh, you know what? God bless uh, Councillor Ferguson. He, he sees beyond his souls, and he represents an area that he has to sell this project, but he, he's doing it successfully, and that's what being a councillor is all about. But there aren't enough votes to carry this right now. No way. So have you talked to them? Are not coming over. Have you talked to your council colleagues that are supportive of LRT about any strategies? Do you throw up your hands and give up? What do you do at this point? I'm telling them not to drag this community through the mud and continually drive a divisive debate that they know they're not going to support. So there's going to be a meeting again in the middle of April, and you guys are going to get together again, and these guys are going to do the same thing of saying, well, we don't have all the information we need, yada, 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 yada. How do you respond to that? Where, are you going to keep doing this for months at a time? Well, that's why I'm rolling my eyes to a point that's actually giving me a headache. But th- that's my frustration. 13-hour meetings and people asking questions that I know they don't support the damn project. It's like they're prolonging the, the, the inevitable but, but they're also dragging us all through it. If, you're, if you sincerely care about the project and you want to support the project, I'm all for the 13-hour meeting. But don't do it for theater, drama, and for political purposes, because that's exactly what's happening. Sam, we'll stay in touch. I appreciate you taking some time for us today. Likewise. Thanks. Bro. Take care. Sam Marula, very frustrated Sam Marula, saying this group of 10 on city council have already decided they don't want this project. I think I did a commentary very much along these lines just a couple of days ago. That They're not looking for information. They're just looking to delay, 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 and try to kill this thing. Your thoughts, 905-645-3221, start 9900. Dominic, you're on the Bill Kelly Show. Hi, Dominic. Hi, good morning, Bill. Hi. I listen to your show a lot. So, uh, like, i got a, a, few, a couple things to say, uh, and I respect uh, the counselors. I, I, I respect Councilor Marula. You know, these are... These are dignified people who work really hard and very passionate about their their city and about their award. But, you know, listen, and I've researched a lot about this. And I came late to the meeting on the 28th. I was supposed to speak, and I didn't. But a friend of mine spoke. He didn't get a chance to finish his report. He spent hundreds of hours researching LRT because we're frustrated about it, too. Listen to the facts. I'm, I'm telling you, if you think I'm wrong, okay, I'm wrong. He, Mar- Council Marula does not have his facts straight. Hamilton was due to get some infrastructure money anyway, in the hundreds of millions, regardless of LRT, number one. Number two, number, you got to listen to these things, because it's true. Well, it's wait, 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 wait. When, when, when Metrolink says that they're going to cover the cost of all of the money, that, of, of all the infrastructure that needs to be done under the ground there, that's new money, Dominic. That's the, to suggest okay. that that money was going to flow anyway is a guess. It's not a fact. It's a guess. No. It's a, it's a fact. There's, it, Dominic, it, it, no, you know, now you're twisting facts. Okay, okay, let me finish. Let me finish. If you think I'm wrong, if you think I'm wrong, let me finish. Kitchener is almost done, right? It's on the internet. They're, they've increased their property taxes, just for starters. They started in 2011. They did it, I think, in 1.25 increments. 12% it's gone up, the property taxes. They have a bill now for the next 30 years over and above the money they got from the province and the feds. Yeah, I know, what? but yeah, yeah, but Dominic, again, you're giving half facts. That's because that's because the deal with between Metrolinx and Kitchener Waterloo was not 100% of the cost. The, the Kitchener Waterloo Regional Council had to pony up money for that. That's why property taxes have gone up. They, they ponied up about 200 million. They're on the hook over the next 30 years for 1.9 billion. 
It's coming from the taxpayers. One point nine billion. This is a fact. Council Moore doesn't have a stack straight. The province. No, knows well, here's here's what's happening, Dominic. I I, I, I appreciate. Shh, listen to me. Listen. All right. I listen to you. I listen to you. But look at. I got. First of all, I got to do a commercial here. Second of all, you're doing the exact same thing that everybody else has been doing in this debate. Is you're dealing with half facts to substantiate your point of view. Yes, this is costly. And Hamilton, to my knowledge, is the only city that the province and Metrolinx has dealt with where they've actually said we'll cover 100% of the cost of installation here. All the other cities had to pony up money, which is why you've seen tax increases. And that money, read the reports, that money for infrastructure is part of the $1.2 billion. It's all the work that's going on under the ground. And if you kiss that money goodbye, and it sounds like that's what a lot of these city councilors want to do, then you and I are going to have to make up that difference. We're the ones that are going to have to pay for that work that has to be done under the ground. Then you will see property tax increases. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.